After a brief Christmas and uh, New Year's weekend break, we head back to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. We're going to pick up the reading from verse 20. So the setting there is Palm Sunday. John doesn't give us that sense, but there's a couple days now between verse 19 and verse 20. But verse 19 ends, The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. So the Pharisees are frustrated with all the glory being given to Jesus, although we saw that that was a misplaced glory. And now we pick up the reading from verse 20, and we're going to read through verse 36. And that also will be our text for this morning. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said it had thundered. And others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying what death he would die. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? And then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. <clears throat> while you have light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. <clears throat> Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. And then what happens? Greeks come. How many? We are not told. A couple anyways. Why are they there? And what are they looking for? There's different views, but we're not told. There's very, very little information. If we look at the other Gospels, especially Matthew and Mark, then we read that after the triumphal entry, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ cleaned out the temple. He cast out all those money changers and all of those people who were selling different things. He, he, he took them out with a bullwhip and cleaned it all out. And the part of the temple that he cleaned out is called the Gentile court. So now we're thinking that the Gentiles finally can come into the courts of the temple to do what they were always supposed to do, pray and be with Almighty God. And hearing of these things and, and knowing that Jesus Christ is there, these Greeks come. And after that, we don't hear a whole lot about it. But John now will use this to show to us what is going on in Jesus' mind and what is going on in Jesus' heart. It's a very intimate moment. I know you've read these stories a lot, but you just got a glimpse into the heart and the soul 
of Jesus. And I don't know how you think about Jesus, especially after Christmas, and we sing all that beautiful music headed into the new year, and we, we talked about the optimism we have and the glory that we have, but then we hear those words, I'm troubled. I am troubled in my soul. Shall I now ask, let this hour pass? No, 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 for, for this reason I have come. It's really intimate that Jesus by the Holy Spirit, God the Father by the Holy Spirit, is letting you in where no one else gets to go. It's really a beautiful time. It's, it's a marvelous time. Now, Jesus has said a couple times, John has said a couple times, that the hour had not yet come. But now we read that the hour had come. And there's something about these Greeks coming. And it's going to come up twice in the text. That the world is coming to Jesus. Now, remember what we read in John chapter 10, where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, so we have that divinity about him. I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen, I must bring them also. So this is starting to happen. We're moving beyond Israel into the world coming into Israel, and Israel growing into a worldwide force called the Church of Jesus Christ. But before any of that can happen, Jesus must go to the cross. The light must submit to the darkness so that he can overcome the darkness. The Lord reveals that the hour has come. The light reveals that the hour has come. First of all, we'll see the law of the seed. The seed must die so that it can bear much fruit. The voice of God, this is my son, I will glorify him and the confusion of the crowd. I thought the Son of Man was supposed to live forever, and now you're talking about dying? In the hopes that understanding the law of the seed, you will hear the voice of God, and then for you there will be no more confusion. Well, what happened with these Greek men? We don't read that Jesus actually ever met with them. And so we read that uh, there were certain Greeks among them who came to worship at the feast, and then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida. So Philip is a Greek name, even though he's a Jew. Together with Andrew, they're from Bethsaida. Maybe these Greeks were from Bethsaida. There were Greeks living in Judea as well. It was not a, a homogeneous place in terms of ethnicity. All kinds of people were living there. We think, again, likely these Greeks were people who had uh, given themselves to Judaism. They were God-fearing Gentiles, but it, we don't know. We also don't know if Jesus ever met with them. We'd like to think that he did, that there was something special, but we need to find out what's going with Jesus. Something happens when these Greeks come that within the context of the letter, the whole world is coming to him, and that Jesus says now, the hour has come. And the Son of Man should be glorified. You know, one of the great soliloquies of the English language is from Shakespeare and Hamlet's to be or not to be. That is the question. And I would like to say that though this was originally in Aramaic, probably Greek, in English, this is really one of the great soliloquies that we have of all time. So, children, a soliloquy is just when one person gives quite a long speech in a play, but here we have quite a long speech in reality of Jesus. 
This voice did not come, or, or rather, um, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, let him or my father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. To be or not to be? No. Who will you serve? Will you give up your life? Will you choose eternal glory, or will you turn, choose worldly glory? Will you choose life in this world or will you choose life in the next? Are you willing to give up your ego? Are you willing to give up your pride? Are you willing to give up the pomp and the circumstances of this temporary world for the things of glory? That is what's waiting before you. It's the principle of the seed. Something must die so that something can live. Now a farmer back then would have a sack of seed even to this day. And a farmer takes a risk, I suppose. He has the seed. What's he going to do with the seed? He could keep it and say, well, at least I have the seed. Or he can sow it. He can spread it. But it's not simply just spreading it. That seed has to be buried. It has to go under the ground. It has to die. And that when it dies, it germinates. Life comes through the death. You know, for those of us who have to deal with addiction, that's the one thing we have to admit that we're losers. It's, it's a really interesting thing. I cannot beat said substance. I cannot beat the sin that I'm struggling with. But that's true for all of us. You and I have to admit we're losers to sin. And the only time we'll ever get better is when we admit we're losers, that we have to die that we need to be born again. And to be born again, we have to be dead to the things of this world. That we cannot be born again unless we're born by a Father's will. And that we cannot be born again unless we're baptized into the death of Jesus Christ and raised new with him. It's not a possibility. And the only way that is going to happen is Jesus Christ is going to give up his glory, take on human flesh, give up the glory that could be his as true God and true man with all of his powers and everything that he can do. And he is going to die on the cross as a curse, not just die of a heart attack, not just die being murdered some way or, or dying of, of a terrible disease. He will die as a curse. He can't just simply die a physical death, his heart stops beating, and he stops breathing. He needs to die a spiritual death, but he's not a sinner. He's holy, he's perfectly righteous, he's never done anything wrong in his life. Everything he's done, he's done well, he's done properly, he's done right. He's loved the Lord God with his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He loved his neighbor as himself. He's going to die for you. <clears throat> he's going to die for his people. He must die so that people in his death can be raised into an eternal glory. We think of 1 Corinthians 15, sown, corruptible, raised, incorruptible, saved an inglorious body, raised a glorious body that we will share not only in a spiritual resurrection of which you taste now if you believe 
And if you believe, it's because he's made you alive. But these bodies are going to be raised with his body into an eternal glory, into a new heavens and a new earth. But that cannot happen <clears throat> until he dies. And it's becoming very evident to him that it's not just for the Israelites, but now these Greeks are coming too, and he is going to die so that the promise to Abraham, you will be a blessing to the whole world, is now going to come true. That which we read from Isaiah chapter 11, he will be a banner for the nations, and all of the peoples will flock, will come to him. But first, he must die. Isaiah wrote, yet we will see. It was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. The whole language is of a Messiah who is going to die, yet will live again. I tell you a great mystery. I tell you a great truth. We will all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. But our Lord and our Savior must die. And you must die. You must put to death the deeds of the old nature. You've got to put to death darkness. That's what conversion is, putting off the old man, really putting to death the old man and putting on the new man, created after the image of God in Jesus Christ. What is your life? Who do you serve? What drives you? What motivates you? What gives you joy? The things of the material, the things of your wealth, the thing of prosperity, of power, of my joy here every day? Or are we willing to say, with Jesus, my heart is troubled about who I am? No, no, for this hour Jesus has come. It's not to be or not to be. It is, who will you serve? Who will you give your life to? How then will you live? And Jesus is saying, give it up. Lose your life. Lose your pride. Lose your dignity. Stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to earn your salvation. Stop all the worry. Stop running to everything that you think is giving you comfort. Give it up. Stop being king or queen of your own life and let Jesus rule. Die with him. That you can reign with him. That you may be blessed with him. Oh, Father, my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. This is John's Gethsemane. And then right away, Jesus, like in, in, in a nanosecond, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. You make your name great in me. Let me die, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow to the glory of God the Father, that we will rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice in what Jesus Christ is willing to do. 
He's still a human being. You, you know, he's not Jesus Christ, this sort of wooden stone and stoic human being. Oh, I'm going to go to the cross. He's wrestling with this. God the Father is going to pour out his wrath. He's going to be cursed for you and me. He knows he's going to rise again. He's already told us that that's going to be the case. But he is going to descend into the pitch black darkness. He is going to go into the world of eternal death. Jesus will die, beloved, in a way you will never die. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you will never die alone. You will die with the Spirit. You will never die alone. You will die with Jesus. You will never die alone. You will die with God the Father. You will never die with fear. Oh, maybe there's a sense of what is death and you fear the unknown. But you don't fear eternal death. You don't fear the curse. It's been driven out. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Look at the love. Look at the law of the seed. Look at Jesus who is willing to die for you that in him you may have comfort in life and in death. This is what we need. This is who we serve. This is who John is teaching us about. And that's why this monologue, this soliloquy, this speech, this word from the word, this light from the light fills us with such joy and such marvel. We can sing Hosanna loud hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord not the way israel sang it a few days earlier from this event but in the way it's really meant he's going to die for you and for me hallelujah praise the lord and then god speaks and we hear then a voice from heaven came saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Yes, my son, I have glorified it. I've sent you to this earth and you have done great and amazing things for me. You have taken on human flesh. You turned water into wine. You've ushered in the new covenant. You made a lame man walk on the Sabbath. You made a blind man see on the Sabbath. You made Lazarus rise from the dead. I have glorified you, my son, and you have glorified me. And what's interesting is the difference between the Gospel of John and the other three Gospels, sometimes we call them the synoptic Gospels, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke speak of the cross always in a particular way of the humiliation, but John joins it together. It's humiliation and glorification all at the same time. I've sent you these Greeks, my son, because the world is going to come to you, my son, but not before you die on the cross, my son, but in the lifting up of the cross, I will exalt you and glorify you so that our Lord and Savior dying there on the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My soul is troubled, is our glorified Lord of Lord and King of Kings, no less than when he was a baby in the manger, and no less than when he's dead in the tomb, he is the one who is glorified by Almighty God. 400 years from Malachi until the Gabriel, angel Gabriel comes, God is silent. And even then, he has not spoken until Jesus gets baptized. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. 
Just a week or so before in the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And now one more time, I have glorified you. I have glorified you, my son, because you have come to glorify my name. And therefore the people who stood by and heard it said it had thundered. Another said an angel has spoken to him. But Jesus answered and said, The voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is a judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw peoples to myself. So do you see how it's coming back? The Greeks come. He's thinking about his death. Thinking about his death, he thinks about how the people will come. Why? Because by going to the cross, being lifted up from this earth physically, children, right? Jesus' feet will not be touching the ground. He'll be hanging there between earth and between heaven. There's no place on earth. There's not a place in heaven. God is going to damn him because of your sin and my sin are on him. It's, we can't even wrestle, understand what Jesus has to go through. But in that moment, Jesus says, but I will be glorified. I am being glorified because for this I was chosen. For this I came. For this I took on human flesh. The voice didn't come for you or for me rather. God isn't saying, okay, my son, it'll be okay. He's getting the people to understand who Jesus is. And, and the remarkable thing is you have Jesus, the complete image bearer, the one who reflects the glory of God and then glorifies the name of God, is being spoken to by God as the one who is the evidence of God on earth and all the shattered image bearers can't hear it because their ears are stopped up. They, they can't hear it. They won't hear it. They don't want to hear it. And they can't see it. I mean, what more does God the Father need to do than sending the Son? And what more does God the Son need to do than all of these amazing miracles? What more do you have to do? You, you know, you, you'll meet people sometimes. If only God would, would give me a sign, then, then I would believe. Well, God's given all these people a sign. You have a voice from heaven. Oh, it's thunder. Oh, well, maybe it's an angel. They refuse to hear that it is the voice of God, let alone what God has said. It's obviously clear to Jesus what's being said, but these people don't want it because if something did come, they would find a way to reject it because that's what shattered image bearers do. They can't see it. They can't hear it. They don't want it. They don't love it. They don't want the law of the seed. They're not willing to die so that they can get new ears, to get new eyes. They don't even know that they want it or that they need it. So the voice comes, and the evidence is there. And people refuse it. The light is shining in the darkness. Why is that? Because unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, back to John chapter 1. All of those who believe were given the right to become children, not children born by a human father's decision, but by our Father in heaven's will. Calvinism, the sovereignty of God, the doctrine of election, total depravity, the five points of Calvinism, the, the five points of the canons of Dort, it's all over. This is why so many people don't like the Gospel of John. 
Because here's all these people with supposedly free will saying we don't want it. We don't hear it. We, we can't stand it. How is that possible? We just sang it together. That's why I, I had you uh, sing it from Psalm 147. His word to Jacob he declares, to them his judgments show. To Israel his chosen race he makes his statutes known. No other nation is so blessed they do not know his law. O Zion, praise the Lord your God. His praise proclaim with awe. And they say, no, we won't. And now it comes to you this morning. It's the same thing, beloved. You have heard the voice by means of the word of God. Now you can believe it or not believe it. You can say it's not from the spirit. You can say, ah, John just wrote it down. It never happened. But I'm here to tell you, God did say this. And Jesus really is the son of God. He is the one who is glorified. He is the one who has come to bring an end to darkness and the realm of darkness. Jesus says, I will be lifted up so that the devil will be cast down. And we think about that in Revelation chapter 12. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray, was hurled down to the earth and his angels with them. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. I will be lifted up. I will go to the cross, so that the devil will be defeated. Now let's put all of that together, because at the beginning when Jesus Christ is tempted, the devil said, you don't have to suffer. I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. They belong to me. Just bow to me. Just bow to me. This is also part of the trouble that Jesus is going through. You don't have to obey the law of the seed. I will show you an easier, softer way. That's always the way of the devil. Ah, you don't have to give up this sin. We can get you out of this. Don't worry about that. Just don't take responsibility here. You don't have to suffer. He always says that you don't have to suffer. And Jesus is saying, but I do. And Satan, and here's what's really interesting. That what Satan is doing in the hearts of the people, which is to create in them a hardness of heart, they will at the end of the week cry out, crucify him, crucify him, over against Hosanna, loud Hosanna. So the devil will use the people of Israel who have been given Jesus Christ the word, and they're rejecting that word, put him on the cross, and while Satan's doing all of that, he's writing his own death warrant. That's how foolish he is. I will get the people to put Jesus on the cross, and when they put him on the cross, I'll be cast out of heaven. I'll be cast on the earth. I'm going to be cast into the fires of hell. How great is God? How awesome is Jesus Christ? How amazing is the law of the sea? Hear the voice of God and don't be confused because the people are utterly confused. Well, hold on, hold on, the people say. We have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. How can you say the son of man must be lifted up. So they are hearing that Jesus is saying, I am going to go to the cross, and I am going to die. Now, we think that they are thinking of Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. <clears throat> Wonderful counselor, everlasting father of the government. There will be no end to his kingdom. Psalm 89, <clears throat> excuse me. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, and I will not lie to David, that his line will continue forever and ever. His throne endures forever before me, like the sun. 
The law speaks of an eternal Messiah. They hear that about the Son of Man. And now, Jesus, you're saying you're going to die? We know the word of the Lord. We understand the word of the Lord. And this is what happens when you rip Christ out of the word. When you rip Christ out of the word, you lose darkness, you lose light, and then you simply have a Bible that suits you or works to make your life better or gives you all kinds of false hope. There's no truth. And the truth is, you and I need to be saved from sin and death and hell and from darkness. The antithesis needs to be over. The foot of the son of Eve must now crush the head of the serpent. And that will only happen when the devil uses the people of Rome, but especially of Israel, to put Jesus on the cross. And when he dies on the cross and he says, it is finished, the devil thinks he has won. Up from the grave he arose. Jesus Christ goes into heaven. The devil's running around on the earth like a chicken with his head cut off. And soon, and very soon, the king will come and the devil will be thrown into the lake of fire, including all of those who chose for this life, who chose for self-rule, who didn't want to lose this life, but loved it so much that they did anything to make it right. <clears throat> These people are blind, and they are deaf, and they are hardened in heart. And can you imagine our Lord and Savior has just said, I'm troubled in my soul. What, are you saying you're going to die? You see how People without Christ, there's just no compassion. Jesus is getting no comfort. And his disciples are just looking and watching quietly. There's no room in the inn anymore. Well, there never really was. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ simply says, while you have me, you better make use of me. You better find out, you better talk with me because pretty soon you will have nothing but darkness. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. Lose your life. Go under the ground and die. Enter the realm of the darkness, of the death, of your sin and depravity, and live new lives by the power of Jesus Christ, by the transforming renewal of the Holy Spirit, by the love of God the Father. And you will have sons, you will become sons of light. For what is Jesus saying? He's saying that where he is going, you will go. He's going to say that in John chapter 14. Your hearts are heavy. Don't be afraid. If I leave you, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm coming back for you. Abide in my light as children of light. And though, beloved, the hour had come... It was not yet the moment. And so he disappears like Elijah leaving Israel after the defeat of the prophets of Baal. God moves that light, and now they must deal with it. How does that look? Again, can't John tell us a little bit? These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Notice it says, was hidden. God hid him. How? Where? What does that look like? We don't need to know except that you who believe know because God has revealed himself in Christ to you. Praise him. And if you're looking or struggling, ask for that revelation. And then be that revelation as the sons of light. The law of the seed, 
must happen that you and I might have eternal life, baptized into his death. We are raised anew into his resurrected life. Hear the voice of God in his death. He is glorified. Lord of lords and king of kings. He is the son of light. In him you can become sons of light. Lose your life on this earth and receive eternal life and glory. Repent and believe. Don't be confused. He had to die so that you could have glory. Not in this earth, but in the life to come. Tasting of it even now till he comes again. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Father, we love you and we thank you for sending Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of hope and life. This week, Father, we experienced the marvel of, a, of the birth of a little one. And, and then we were reminded again, too, of that rebirth that we need. Baptism reminds us how we need the water of the blood of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that it's not to be or not to be, but that you are, I am. And Lord, we pray that we will be in you, living creatures, to serve you, to love you, to honor you, and to glorify you. Glorify your name in all the earth. We love you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.